In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs of a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cat. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we are Absolute Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to be the very best dog owner your dog could ever wish for. And this week, what we're doing is we are actually tackling a topic that so many of you have emailed in about, and you want our opinions and tips on how we work with this. So this is a topic that our Ask team, that's our email team, they literally have said that so many people ask questions on this specifically. It's how we utilize crates, boundaries, beds, stations within our household to have a happy life. Like, how do we train it? What do we do? How do we pick them? Where do we get them from? How do we work in this solutions mindset when it comes to these things? And we know how much of a difference it can make. Like, let me be honest. I know you guys can't necessarily all see us right now because some of you are listening and you're maybe (laughs) driving or, um, but actually we have, um, I've got little Blink. Um, She's um, literally sat right next to me. Uh, She's on her boundary. She's currently got her squirrel in her mouth. Yeah. It's a stuffed squirrel, isn't mm-hmm. it, Blink? It is a stuffed squirrel. Um, however, she sat next to me. And then we've actually got one of our our, um, our dogs sat up in a crate up in front. Mm-hmm. She's a little bit younger, a little bit less experienced. So she's just in here getting used to um, some of the different sounds, the different sort of space that she doesn't normally work in. Yeah. Um, and then I've got Venture over on another boundary. So actually... This is how we roll. This is how we um, rock. This is exactly how it works. And I think it's so important that you guys get to be part of this. Absolutely. And so I guess where we should start is, you know, why should you care about this? What are the benefits of it? And so um, regardless of whether you have a single dog household or a multi-dog household, there's massive benefits to getting them used to, um, you know, crates, pens, teaching them to lie on a bed until, you know, they're released from that space. The reason being that often, actually, if we can contain them within an area, it means that we can focus on other things. So we'll give you a couple of examples. First of all, multi-dog household. It's really helpful if each dog has a station so that it's not constantly play, play, play. And when maybe their choices aren't necessarily as experienced as we'd like them, um, they're not making bad choices. Second thing is sometimes you've not got a multi dog household, but you have a multi-animal household of a different time, you might have children or you might be having some guests, right? And so what we've got to think about there is actually it's really useful if our dogs have a safe space where they are safe from the world and also the world is safe from them. This is this is a safety issue for sure. And I mean, I know a friend of mine who's often out with horses and dogs. Mm -hmm. It equally works across um, to other animals, livestock, out and about, like boundaries, crates, lifestyle. This is kind of, um, for me, 
lifestyle training and yeah. it's and it's great 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 um, massive payoff lifestyle mm -hmm. training now whilst i think about this i bet there are so many people listening here that think that they would know someone else who they could share this with mm -hmm. because i know the contents that we're about yeah. to share are going to be pretty powerful you guys literally hold on to your seats because this is going to be uh, i think very very powerful tennis i think it's mm -hmm. going to be fast tennis yeah um and actually i think people should all know about it so i yeah. bet there's someone else you'd want to share this with so guys leave a review of the podcast if you haven't already share it with a friend if you have not already because the the key is that when we're talking about dog training advice that gets real life results that could be saving dogs lives it could be stopping dogs from being rehomed and it will certainly save relationships between dogs and owners so it's powerful this sort of learning it really i think moves the needle and i think it for me the creates boundaries beds and the way that we train our multi-dog households um to work and to live and to to be sort of um we were just talking about a minute ago we think we have very very happy dogs mm. they're they yeah. they live a very happy non um they, they, they coexist so well yeah. within yeah. this lifestyle and they and get more freedom so much more freedom we've got these foundations and, in and place. i think that's the thing I wanted to lead on to there was that actually when you teach all of this inside your outside walks also yeah. kind of have the um the same great effect so anyway we've got loads of tips for you please please yeah. share it make sure other people know about it because this is a very 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 um informative and it is just action-packed yeah absolutely so let's start the tips tennis i will i will do the the kind of first serve on this one and i the the tip that i've got for you is that really, whether your dog is, you know, likes being in a crate or likes being on a bed or likes being in a pen or whatever it might be, it's all a question of value. And the way that we can add value to that space is by using that daily food allowance and paying that daily food allowance into that space. So that means when your dog's in that space, let's feed them, whether it be drip feeding them, whether it be kind of doing a bit of a ninja feed where we, we surprise them with a bit of food, the more value that say, you could almost think about it as like a, a, a value value storm like it's raining on the boundary the more likely they are to be and i remember um a, a great friend of mine saying to me once you know tom that if a if a you you just feed a, a particular i don't know 50 centimeter diameter circle in the room it doesn't even have to be a bed or a crate or, or anything dogs are creatures of efficiency and you will if you were to watch that dog they would spend more time around that circle that's previously been rewarded and where the value is than anywhere else in the room and you know if we observe our dogs we're all too familiar with them gravitating towards value. Your dogs might gravitate towards the kitchen counter because they found some value up there before. What we can do is we can use their efficiencies to our advantage and we can pay value where we want them to spend their time. Okay, so serving back at you. Now, I think our second tip is going to be don't be limited by what you don't have mm -hmm. so so many people yeah. are like i don't have a boundary or i don't have this bed or i don't have a certain crate or i don't have this let's think abundance let's think what we do have let's yeah. think yay sayers because both tom and i talk all the time about being surrounded with yay sayers so what do you have so yeah. you might have your vegetable box you might have a pallet in the garden you might have a tree a stump, tree stump. <laughs> you might have a platform you might have anything at all that is in your surrounding that could represent something your dog could perch upon yeah. or be upon and um, some people might use a sofa or an armchair really you make the rules on this and i think this is an important life lesson with your dog anyway you make the rules yeah. just because someone else doesn't appreciate what you're you're doing you make that rule for your scenario so i'm going to say be resourceful um, and use what's around you now yeah. obviously both tom and i teach um crates and we also teach um boundaries and raised bed stations
generations. But equally, I suppose over the past few years, we've gravitated to more comfy beds with sides because actually our dogs spend sometimes a few hours on them whilst we're working in the office or whilst we're doing a podcast like right now. So we do change often what we're using and we've become very, very resourceful and flexible. We don't use the same things all the time, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So next tip. Um, This one's kind of a a crate and pen specific one. And that is, I want you to think about that door closing. And to us, that door closing just means, oh, well, this is what you do to contain them. But what does it actually mean to our dogs? And actually, if we think about what it means, well, the door closing is a predictor of loss. It's a predictor of, you know, I can no longer leave. And often we close the door and we walk away. Now, Think about it. Are they going to like the door being closed if that is what is it is a predictor of, a predictor of loss? Probably not. And in fact, there are many kind of training systems of, of teaching a crate where the door's actively used as a punisher. You know, if your dog tries to get out, we close the door on them. The reality of that is, is all that does is creates it as a punisher even more. And that creates a dog who is in very high arousal in and, the and, crate. And sometimes a lot of stress. And doesn't like being left in it, right? And so um, what we actually do is we teach that the door closing is a good thing and it's a a trigger of value arriving in the space. So what we do is once our dogs have some value for being in there and they're choosing to be in there, what we'll do is we'll close the door, we'll feed, feed, feed through the bars, we'll open the door and we don't feed. And then we close the door and we feed, feed, feed through the bars and then we open the door and there's nothing. And so all of a sudden, this it's quite a, a positive thing for this door to close. They're like, please let the door close because that then is going to deliver more value to this experience. And that kind of small change actually is a real game changer when it comes to getting distance away from the crate duration in there. And your dog truly seeing it as actually something good. Okay, so my next tip is for sure, it's a bit of a double whammy. It's kind of using your crates, your boundaries, your beds, your spaces, using them to ditch the bowl, to ditch the routine, and that presence doesn't mean access. So yeah. I actually do use them in all of those ways. So for me, when, when I'm when I'm talking about that, I'm going to just give you a really quick run through here. But ditch the bowl, a lot of my food is put into those calm spaces. Yeah. So I might fill a, a bone, I might fill um, a Kong, I might fill a long lasting chew with some of my dog's daily allowance, whether that raw, whether that wet, whether that's kibble, whatever it is, fill it. Um, And don't get stuck on what you're feeding and what you're not feeding. Start doing. I think so many of us get stuck in actually what we're not doing. So I think it's really important that you have a go at that. And then for me, um, ditching the routine, I don't sort of put them in at a certain time or I don't pop them um, on a bed at a certain time. I'm always mixing it up. I'm always matching um, what I'm doing with the energy that's around and, and trying to look at what the dog is saying to me all the time. So Blink currently sat next to me on a boundary equally and we've also got a couple of dogs in here in a a large crate you know what it depends on the dog Absolutely. And then uh, for me, presence doesn't mean access just because actually they're in that crate. I might be in and out of that room multi times. Sometimes I feed, sometimes I don't feed, sometimes I cover, sometimes I uncover. It just depends what's going on. But just because I'm around doesn't mean in that crate they're going to get access to me all the time. So uh, whether they're on a bed, whether they're on a boundary, whether they're in their crate and actually I'm in and out and I'm mooching and I'm ditching that routine all the time in their their space. And what I really like is that our dogs, both Tom's and, and my dogs, when we're mooching around they kind of pay no attention to us really so they don't really acknowledge us they don't really um even um they they don't really get up right like they kind of know that actually it's not a big deal yeah absolutely so next tip is to what this is more of kind of a, a tip on the overall approach yeah so 
we're not going to train this as a party trick. We're going to train it as a concept. Now, what is the concept of crates, beds, boundaries, pens? It is that you stay within an area, there is value and you actively want to stay there, nice and calm, until released. Now, how do you train this as a concept rather than a party trick? Well, actually, we wouldn't just use one object to train this. We would actively and purposefully and intentionally, you know, maybe use a raised bed, maybe use a comfy bed, maybe do it in a crate, maybe do it in a, in a tree stump, on a tree stump, on a walk. The key is that the more that we kind of apply the, these rules of, I'm going to put loads of value here, and then I'm going to release you off it, and you're not going to get much at all, and then the value comes back in the space, the more our dogs actually see it as a really a great concept that you can then apply to, I don't know, a kennel at the vets, if your dog's ever sick and needs to be kenneled in, in hospital at the vets. But even more than that, for some dogs, they're incredibly sensitive to pressure. And so if every training session look involves the same object and it you know there's a bit of failure in there and you get a little bit frustrated sometimes all that frustration and disappointment and stress gets associated with that object and so what we try and do is whenever we're teaching something where we can we'll use multiple different versions of the same scenario so that we're actively spreading out the opportunity for learning and our dogs almost see it as there's that saying i think it's even a mary poppins one which is why i maybe know it um, and that is a change is as good as a rest right and for our dogs, that's so true. You know, you can break off a, a session of crate training and you can move to a bed teaching exactly the same thing. But your dog's like, oh, new scenario, new energy. I'm, I'm, I'm keen on this. I'm game for this. And, and so when, especially when it's such an important skill as beds, boundaries, crates and pens, we would actively and intentionally use different objects. Love it. And I think that within that, I think build, 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 mm. test. Yeah. So I think most people test them too soon. Yeah. So I think next tip for you guys is going to be build it, build it, build it, build it. So many people use a crate or a boundary or a bed to try and combat visitors and visitor struggles. Guys, tell us if you have a visitor struggle because we know that visitor struggles can be a really, um, well, it can be a stressful thing for a lot of owners. And so, and actually stop some people having visitors at all mm. because they're so stressed about how their dog might behave or might yeah. take, um, that sort of interaction uh, on. So uh, yes, build it, build it, build it, build it before you test it. Because whenever you have a visitor and say you've got your dog on the boundary, that's quite a big test. Mm -hmm. So that is tough on your dog and it's tough on you. And sometimes you've got to be quite vigilant with that. Whereas right now I've got um, little blinks out and sleeping on her bed near me. And actually for her, this is like a building session because there isn't really, um, we can reward, we can um, frequently change, we can ch change it up and there's not really yeah. a pressure. There's not really a pressure test situation. It's not a difficult situation for her. Mm -hmm. So I think when we have visitors sort of wandering in and out or doorbells knocking and things like that, that is quite a tough situation for them. So when we say build it, build it doesn't always need to mean food, 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 food. It can mean like little sessions every day yeah. that make a difference. Yeah, a, a session where they're going to be successful. Absolutely. I think that's a... A really, really good one. So next tip that we've got for you is one that I it's one that is is almost like a bit of like a hack kind of cheats way of getting success. And that is that there'll be certain times of day where your dog's much more likely to be high energy, much more likely to be wanting to do zoomies and much more likely to just be a little bit wild. A lot of owners call it the witching yeah. hour, don't they? they? They sort of, I mean, both Tom and I have um, regular clients that, that get in touch and they'll say things like, he's being really difficult in the witching hour. What do I do at set 14 minutes past seven? Every <laughs> evening, 6pm, this is what he does and look at him, he's barking at me, mm. he's circling the room, he's yeah. doing um, ninja moves off the sofa, whatever it might be. Yeah. And you're absolutely 
absolutely right that those are times where it would be great to employ, you know, your dog in lying on a bed calmly or lying in a crate calmly. But the reality is if you've not taught it and it's not solid, this is not the time to start teaching it. Because what you're doing there is you're trying to fit a square peg of this excitable, energetic hooligan into a round hole of calm, cool, collected. And you're gonna, it's gonna be a battle. Instead, when you're starting, pick times a day where your dog's naturally calm, naturally a little bit more chilled. Actively encourage them into that calmness headspace before you even bring the bed or the crate into the picture. And then train it and make it so solid that it becomes such a trigger of cool, calm and collected that you can use that then as a tool in those times but similar to what lauren's saying that would be a test scenario not a build scenario so you need lots of build 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 before you test in the witching hour building blocks are essential now one of my really key ones and um, that i think i'd love to share with all of you because it's made a massive difference for me is actually if you're going for longevity or, or, or your dog actually having some duration on the boundary yeah. and you want to keep this up as a behavior for life actually we need to move away from the constant feeding stage and a lot of a lot of people struggle with this moving away. Yeah. Now, we play lots of games on our training academy mm -hmm. that help with this. Um, and a couple of my favorites, one of them is food fiddle. So yeah. it's, I've got lots and lots and lots of food on me, but I fiddle with it. But actually, I'm not constantly Pass feeding it. from it. hand to hand, maybe, maybe drop it and pick it up. Effectively, you're playing sort of advanced levels of, um, of mouse game, really. For those of you that haven't played mouse game, again, it's another one of our training academy games. And for me, when I'm playing games like this, um, for me, it, it's, it's a lot of the dog starting to make good decisions but not yeah. I've, I've got away from that drip feeding stage mm -hmm. that drip feeding stage is fine but you've got to move away from it mm -hmm. because if not you just have an action prompter yeah. and when I say an action prompter a dog who just kind of hangs at the edge of the boundary pacing whining spinning um, and both Tom and I have definitely with certain dogs like fallen sort of short early mm -hmm. on and we've gone oh we should have caught ourselves doing it um, and so then we have to do a little bit of repair work and we've yeah. both done that um, so we've both been in that position so, so don't feel bad if you're in that position because we've both been there too mm -hmm. the other thing I would say just to give you a little bit of a tip on how to get that sort of duration on your boundary would be actually make sure your boundary is comfy so mm -hmm. both Tom and I have got some really comfy sort of household loungy beds yeah. where actually the boundary is comfy they want to sit on it it's super mm -hmm. comfy it's super squishy it's a nice place to sit so it's not like a, a difficult canvas surface it's actually mm -hmm. something they like to be in equally with the crate um, making sure you've got a nice soft pad in the base mm -hmm. of it that it's actually very very um, comfy for the dog not to sleepy. be in not slippy, super important uh, that you've got something that they can rest in without slipping over and actually do make their spaces warm, um, restful and comfy. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, I feel like we've covered a lot of tips there. I, I know there's so much to share. It, I think that's really important. Yeah. Please, please, please share this one because and I think there's a lot. Th there's a lot there that's going to really help a lot of dogs. And I guess the final tip that we need to round off with is that you've just got to get started, right? You just you don't have to be great to get started, I love but you that have to quote. get started to be great. And that just means taking action, doing little bits. Whether it's your vegetable box, your tree stump, or your comfy, squishy bed. You know what? Stop making excuses and get on with it. I yeah. love the whole Elvis idea, a little less conversation, a little more action, please. Yeah. And I think that's something that we we urge you mm -hmm. we i actually am going to use that word we yeah. urge you to get on and do it because it's something yeah. that you can get on and crack on with today and see it as one of the biggest gifts that you could give your dog to have this skill that transfers to all these different situations and potentially will make them feel comfortable in a time when they maybe don't feel comfortable and need to feel comfortable so that was this episode of the sexier than a squirrel podcast if you've not reviewed the podcast yet make sure to do so share it with a friend we'll see you next week in the next episode it's going to be a good one and remember stay, stay sexy, sexy.
Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel Challenge? It's a 25-day online video program. Huge energy, amazing community, and over 6,000 people are already taking part. The only question is, you know where you are today. Where do you want to be 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy.